0: This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios. Tournaments fall leagues a redesigned injury system an improved 3d game real-time presentation and game highlights improved player morale and team chemistry and so much more out of the park baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval we all play it and have for years Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, Indie Sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I... I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash PSPOR24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr. and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there. Uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick and then, and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new 18-1 for um for streams yet but i'm going to and i'm actually just gonna gonna start over I, I i won the world series that first year with the with the 17 team but i'm gonna start a new one we'll do the draft at some point soon so stay tuned for that but out of the park is is just so much fun you've heard me talk about uh other baseball video games i like it, they're, they're two different experiences this is the sim in-depth management sort of deal and then the other game is, is playing so I absolutely love this game one last time ootpdevelopments.com sleeper 18 is your discount code uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well if you do play the game let me know let me know what you're doing with it let me know what uh, what team you're going with whether you're starting historically or going from now uh, if you do the fantasy draft hit me up on twitter at spore I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out a hundred percent to history things can change and you can have guys, you know, you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you. So I, I love seeing that stuff. Definitely hit me up there. Um, and, and, and thanks for supporting the show by, by going to otpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 447 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, April 17th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and it's a guest episode. I've got Glenn Colton from Fantasy Alarm, and you may know him from the Colton and Wolfman show on Sirius XM. Uh, he's one-third of the Colton, Wolfman, and Stacey Stern fantasy baseball trio of excellence. I just I just made up that nickname for them, but they're so great uh, that they deserve a title like that. We're going to be talking about the SMART system that, they, that they've devised. That is an acronym We'll get into what all of the uh, of the letters of SMART mean. I'm not going to spoil any of that. Talk a little bit about a couple different uh, guys. He's a Yankees fan, so I ask him his thoughts on uh, Michael Pineda, um, Jose Abreu, somebody that they invested in. Kind of want to see where he's at there. And then we dive into the SMART system, talking about the, uh, the five letters of the acronym. And then they have something called the rules of engagement, which are kind of guiding principles of the SMART system, and and they apply it to different pieces of, of the system. And so. You know it it's it's really a great system that they have, and I think the proof is in the pudding, as they say. the success that they've had as a team is is unmatched. it's It's just really, really impressive. And so without further ado, I'm just going to let you get into Glenn Colton. I will mention it is a phone call interview, so it's a little bit lower on the audio quality, but hopefully you've been enjoying the uh, the the better audio quality. We did switch over to a completely different recording system now to try to get the levels matched out with Eno and myself, and uh, I think they've always been pretty good with, with me and Jason. So uh, this one, you know, with a with phone call, it's going to be a little bit lower, but I did try to adjust it, so hopefully it sounds good. Here we go, Glenn Colton. All right, I'm joined now by Glenn Colton, the, the better half? I don't know. I, I, listen, I got you here. I'm going to say it to your face. The better half of Colton and the Wolf, man. But if I get Rick Wolf on, I'm going to say the same thing to him, Glenn. How you doing, bud? I'm doing very well, but I think the one thing that the fantasy community, which agrees on
1: nothing, would agree on, best part of uh, Team CTW is none other than the First Lady of Fantasy, Stacy Stern. So, hey, uh, I- I'm happy to be tied for second.
0: <laughs> unbelievably true and yes it is a nice tie for second um appreciate you being on with us by the way uh you're from fantasy alarm you can be followed on twitter glenn colton one that's g-l-e-n-n two n's there c-o-l-t-o-n one uh follow him on there listen to him on sirius xm with the wolfman and often stacy cern coming in on the radio show as well great trio i'm going to start off with our with our question that we're, we're diving right in we're going to lead off here And I just want to get an idea of where you're at right now with your industry league teams. How how are they going?
1: Uh, It's a mixed bag. Uh, You know, when you have so many teams, it's it's difficult to sort of succeed in all of them. So the Labor AL and Labor NL teams are middle of the pack. And, you know, at this time of year, three home runs is like six points. So middle of the pack is fine. Uh, The Tout Wars team is struggling dramatically right now, but uh, Mookie Betts didn't play for a week. Uh, which is like missing a half a season. <laughs> uh, you did it for, you know, extrapolated out, and uh, Cano and Abreu have gotten off to a slow start. So that team is struggling, but we are uh, in no way panicking.
0: I want to talk a little bit about um, Abreu uh, with, with another guy, a couple guys here, and then we're going to get into the smart system. For those of you that are unfamiliar with your work, they're not going to know maybe know what the smart system is. Those of you familiar are going to know, but it's worth always diving into because I think even if you're kind of familiar with the smart system, it it's it's a lot of uh interesting points. You got the rules of engagement with it. So we're going to deep dive on that. But first I want to get your thoughts on two different guys I mentioned Jose Abreu. Uh so we'll start with him. He's off to a a, a terrible start. And I'm always quick to say you know, even at this point, I'm not even sure that I like the, the the terminology, bad start, because we're still in that zone where you can flip it so quickly. I think it was something like uh, Jose Ramirez was hitting like 240 going into the series against the Tigers. He had an amazing series, and now he's hitting like 360 and leading the league, something like that. The numbers might not be perfect there, but the point was, in a, in a single weekend, uh, he raises he raises batting average almost 100 points and, and completely flip things. Now. It's a little bit different with Jose Abreu. He's at 186, so if we want to use that terminology. It's splitting hairs anyway. He is off to a bit of a slow start. I'm curious if you have any concerns with Jose Abreu uh, beyond just the first couple weeks, or is this something that you're seeing where, hey, he kind of gets off to slow starts, and he picks it up. He gets his numbers at the end of the year. How do you feel currently about Jose Abreu?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not worried about it. I mean, last year, go back and take a look. You, know, you guys, band have, you have know, terrific uh, – set of manipulable stats, and I look and what did Jose Abreu hit last March and April? 229. What did he end up hitting? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, 293. And this is a guy who's been in the majors three years, has knocked in 100 runs every year, has had no BP, of you know, over 345 every year, has hit over 290 every year, and he's all 30 years old. It's not that uncommon for the Latin players not to like the cold. It's not that uncommon for Mm -hmm. Chicago to be a tough place to Play in the cold. So I'm not worried at all. And if anybody out there is in a league where the Abreu owner is looking to sell, do some shopping.
0: Yeah, I've I've, I've been like kind of interested in hearing hearing some talk about him about a as if. Uh, last year was bad and then you 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 tack on these extra 11 games and all of a sudden there's some major concern here so i mainly brought him up for you to say that because i figured that that's where you would go and and i'm actually with you yes it, it it's it was down from the previous year 850 to 820 ops and neither of those two seasons has been as high as that as that rookie year but that rookie year was elite uh, you know 964 OPS 36 homers and so not maintaining a super elite level I mean it's a high standard to hold anybody up to a lot of guys aren't able to Maintain that level the fact that he's been 35 and 25 percent better than the league uh Each of the last two years respectively says a lot for jose Abrey. And you mentioned 30 that's not old cold weather uh th- Those who did not grow up in it. He, he's cuban born and raised It's it's an adjustment. It's difficult and there's certain guys that have had you know decade-long careers that they just never hit in in march april and they're not as good in in september either if they play in a cold weather place it's just something about that cold weather so i'm with you i I would say that it might be a buying opportunity go out and see what's going on with the jose abreu team and and if they're concerned at all you could parlay that into a discount the other guy i want to ask you about the guy i've had a lot of discussions about but uh full disclosure you are a yankees fan so let's let's that, that offers something different though, because talking about Michael Pineda, you watch all the starts. You're there uh, 162 watching the games, listening to the, uh, the announcers, studying the, the beat reporter stuff. How do you feel about Michael Pineda? I, I, the main reason I brought him up specifically is I saw your tweet ribbing, uh, Howard Bender about him saying, Hey, are you converted yet after another big start? It is two nice starts in a row. Uh, you think it's something different, the beginning of something, or just a couple of his good starts?
1: Well, listen, this guy, as you know better than anyone, is maddeningly inconsistent, but Mm -hmm. he's in a contract year, and I find that that doesn't always motivate players, but there are certain types of players who lose focus during the course of the game, who maybe don't play through injuries, have their big years in a contract year. This is a guy who loses focus boom, three-run home run, even though his stuff is filthy. That happened in the mm-hmm. first game of the year, but he seems to be more focused, and if he's focused with that ability, he is going to be a monster. Remember, this team is a better fielding team other than first base, and it has been in quite a while, too, with the three outfielders can go get the ball, uh, you know, with the, the middle infields pretty strong, Chase Headley, pretty good fielder, Gary Sanchez, a much better catcher uh, once he gets back, so uh, I, I'm convinced he's going to have the big year. And by the way, 23Ks, one walk. That's,
0: what are you do? That's Nasty. fantastic. Nasty. It's, it's just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, i tell you what, though. I wrote after the, the big start against Tampa Bay. It's, it's, it's Lucy and Charlie Brown. And you're not going to get to kick that football this year, Glenn. I hate to break it to you. He's going to have his blow ups still. Um i'm hoping that the bottom line can can be better than a 482 era because he's he is better than that michael pineda is but i still think that we're looking at like an upper threes guy the problem is too and this is this is why i think he's a great guy to have in head-to-head which is actually where i have a share in in top wars head-to-head because the blow-up starts are so bad that they have a lasting effect on the era in roto but in head-to-head you're done after the week you might even skate you know he he might have that that seven earned run three inning outing uh and you might somehow skate around it with with the rest of your pitchers and actually still come out ahead that week but worst case is you flip the calendar uh, on that next monday and you're good to go so a guy like this with the inconsistency of michael pineda uh you don't have to worry as much in head to head and i think that we need to be smarter in the fantasy community about about putting guys in their best fantasy situation too and i think Somebody like Pineda, head to heads, the place to go. But uh, I, I would like to be wrong because I enjoy watching him pitch. And but this was the year that I was just saying, you know what? I'm just not going for him anywhere. I ended up I ended up with that one share, mainly based on his K per nine because that's what we count in that tout Wars head to head. It's just the maddening inconsistency that you're talking about. Well, that's true. That just drives me up the I, wall. I
1: hear that. Watch what? Watch the game. The beginning of the game yesterday. He got into a bit of a trouble. He was getting squeezed on the strike zone. He gave up, uh, you know, a hit to uh, Scotty, which, you know, should never happen, and then, excuse me, inside-out hit to Garcia. And you're sitting there and you're saying, Mm -hmm. the 2016-2015 Pineda would be Adam's inning in the third, you know, game in the third inning with six runs and Mm -hmm. eight base runners, and, you know, you'd be mad. But, no, he turned it around and settled down for six innings before Yachty took him deep to get the W, and I think that deep open's really going to help as well because I think Girardi knows when it's time to pull the plug, and that can avoid that problem the seventh inning. is just not going to happen.
0: Exactly. Keep 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 Pineda, you know, kind of under 100 pitches. With with having only two super reliable pitches, I know he's been mixing in the changeup a bit more Um, but, but with the two pitches, sometimes that third time through is when it can be problematic with the fastball specifically, the slider is always devastating too. So really, it always comes down to the fastball for a lot of, a lot of pitchers. That's, I mean, fastball command is the key to everything we want to make it about. This mechanical thing, or this third pitch, and, and that stuff matters. Don't 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 get me wrong. But fastball command is is what drives success for every single pitcher in baseball. Well, you know, if they have a sinker or two seam or whatever, whatever their top primary pitch is, that the command of that pitch and his fastball command for Pineda has always been a problem. And it starts to become a problem the more they see him. So if Girardi's managing him well and saying, you know what, Uh the efficiency, by the way, of the of the walks, you can get through seven. On, on 95 pitches, which he's done each of the last two outings, seven and two thirds in 93 pitches, seven innings on 96. That's a good setup. So I'm always going to keep a close eye on Pineda. I, I am on the more negative side here, but uh, he's somebody I'm going to keep watching. And if and if there are changes, and if, and if we are seeing more consistency with that fastball command and not letting the one uh, misplay or junk hit or or missed call by the umpire, if that's not snowballing on him then he will be a different pitcher and i agree with you there let's talk smart system again for those that don't know uh that is an acronym and it stands for scarcity management anchors relievers and team it's the smart system that you and and rick wolf and stacy stern employ throughout your your leagues and you've had a ton of success i'm not going to make you brag on yourself but you guys have got league titles across all the industry leagues multiple titles in all of them i believe yes
1: multiple in labor and uh we also have Tau Wars, FSTA, and working on a few others.
0: Are you guys in the NFBC main event? We
1: are in the NFBC main event, and uh, I didn't actually throw that out there when you asked me about how our teams are doing. Uh, Chris list, we're in a league with Chris Lis, Last year's uh, overall champion Rob Silver and some other very good players, but we're right in the hunt because we have an outfield that's young and on fire. Harper, Springer, Enciarte, Ozuna, Avisel, Garcia.
0: Ooh, he's been, he's been insane. Uh, he's like the only thing going well for them out there in, in Chicago right now. Um Obviously, El Garcia is probably another guy that I, I'm always like, oh, maybe, maybe we'll see. But that, that'd be great. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys uh, enjoyed some a big success, a big cash finish soon in the NFBC as well. So this is a tried and true system that you guys stick to and, and, and it drives the decisions that you make. And we're going to kind of go down each one a little bit. I'll let you explain um, kind of the, the the elevator pitch, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, on each one. And then we're going to go into the rules of engagement because those those are almost as important. These are the outlying principles of the smart system, the, the the each letter. But then the rules of engagement really drive y'all's picks um, in these auctions and drafts. So let, let's start with the uh, with scarcity. Yeah, I mean, s- s- sounds sounds uh, you know s- sounds obvious, but go ahead and explain scarce. Right. I mean,
1: the bottom line is you have to look at your league and if it's an AL only, NL only, whatever it may be, what is scarce? Either positions or category. So, if you take a simple example, in the American League only league, there's very little speed. Speed is scarce. The first base position falls off a cliff after a few players. So. The, scare, the smart system at scarcity says pay a little bit more to make sure you roster quality in those scarce places. It doesn't mean make a $10 player a $20 player, but it means, mm-hmm. you know what? If the speed is running out, it's going to cost you an extra $2, and it might be slightly over your budget or $3. Go ahead and get that, you know, get those steals or um, jack up the cost you have on, on a bike trout or loop the bet so you know you're getting some steals. Because otherwise, you're going to be left behind your other uh, opponent. And in positions. If you have a Jonathan Lucroy or a Gary Sanchez in, in American League only, you're even when Sanchez comes back, you're going to get sorry about the phone ringing. You're going to get so much more uh, production than your competitors.
0: I think that's lost a, a bit, particularly with catcher. Um, because we see so many folks, especially in auctions, want to go with those those two one dollar catchers, oh. and it, it it's such a negative. It's such a negative, and I've cited this before in the in the front part of the Baseball HQ Forecaster. They do a lot of uh, articles and, and and deep dives on statistical things, and one of them is on the end game, and it talks about the the values of each position in the end game and catcher is devastatingly low. It's a, it's a negative. You are taking a, almost a guaranteed negative, at least on average uh, when you are playing in that, you know, like one to $3 catcher pool. And so, you know, I know, Eno got some pushback. I even gave him a little bit of pushback on it with regards to the Gary Sanchez pick that he made. And I certainly don't feel vindicated because Gary Sanchez swung and, and hurt himself. Like that's not what I was worried about. I was just, Concerned about two months overrating a little bit, but even the, the beauty of, of drafting uh, and maybe overpaying a little bit for a, a beast catcher is that they don't have to be at their peak to really deliver much better than than all the other catchers out there and it's early on some of these guys but look at what some of the stable guys even those middle ones like uh yadi molina and russell martin look at what they're doing and they were supposed to be your your rock solid ones i'm not going to overpay for these studs i'm going to get russell martin in the middle and he's just going to be fine now again i'm not saying after 11 games that he's toast but he's been an absolute nightmare meanwhile a a down Lucroy season uh was still i think a top 3 catcher when he had his down season. Gary Sanchez can come back after a month and still put up I, I think easily a top 5 catcher season. So scarcity, you know, i think it gets a little bit uh jumbled as to what it is, but i think it still has value out there in the market for sure.
1: Well, we we certainly agree with you and that's why we you know made sure we had a top notch catcher uh you know in all the leagues we're in. We have Sanchez and F S T A we have Crowley and uh labor uh sorry count wars and in fbc so we believe and these guys have solid track records in terms of a guy like lucro and sanchez you know what do i expect him to get 60 bombs no do i do i think in a full season if he gave you twenty seventy would he outproduce almost every other catcher yes so that
0: even if he was hitting 270 he would absolutely like that it would be such a such a boon in the middle of a solid Yankees lineup. I agree. So if they can, if Eno and and the other folks that have him in various leagues can can survive while he's out, it's going to be a huge boon once Gary Sanchez is back. Let's move on to the M, which stands for management. And you know, I don't know if you have your favorite of of the five that that uh, means the most, but I'm going to go out and say I think this is this is the most important one, and I believe this is why y'all win. Well, I- um, the draft is the best part of the season, right? We all know that. Your draft or your auction, it's so exciting, especially when it's live. You guys get to go to Tout and Labor, and it's awesome. I love being in the room, hanging out with you guys at, at Tout. It's the best, right? But it's a six-month slog, and we you know, always talk about how it's a marathon. The in-season management is always where you win and lose. It always is. You just can't win it at the draft. I don't even. I personally don't believe you can lose it at the draft. I guess you can. Oh, if you, you, can. you can get. <laughs> you can get a rotten team and just have five injuries and and you're toast. But the in season management is so critical. Explain to us a little bit about about the M in smart management.
1: Sure. I mean, we actually mean it to managing your draft and in season. But in season, mm-hmm. you talk about you got to follow. You can't be reactive. You have to. Proactive. Chrislist won uh, towers a couple of years ago because he used the rules. He knew the rules, and he picked up Carlos Correa like two weeks before he came up, and then he had for nothing an all-star shortstop for you know for three
0: for ninety-nine games. Yeah, I
1: mean you can't find that in an AL-only league or an NL-only league. So look for what's going to happen, right? And be proactive about that. Which closers are in trouble? You know what? We picked up. Barnett speaking, in one of the leagues. Is he going to be the closer? I figure it's a 20, 25% shot because the bullpen's such a mess. But if we're right, we get a 10 to one return on looking forward. If we're wrong, we cut him. So we'd be proactive uh, about that. And look at the roles. Look at some of the indicators. You know, you know. I know you do this uh, podcast with Jason Glett. He does the new pitch stuff. Uh, you see a guy who's got a new pitch. You see a guy who's pitching the eighth inning instead of the sixth inning, and grab those guys before the announcement comes out that um, they're going to be the closer. That type of thing is really critical. So does anybody believe if Marcus Simeon is really hurt that the A's are going to go with Adam Rosales shortstop all year? And not if you're any good at this. You don't believe that.
0: Ben no.
1: now and be proactive. Yep. That's what it means.
0: Exactly. And I, I, again, I couldn't agree more in, in, in the information age of today, you're not sneaking guys around, right? You, we, we, folks who listen to this podcast and listen to your show on series and follow our, our, our stuff, they're playing in competitive leagues by and large. In, in fact, a lot of the leagues out there, baseball is just different in general too, because a lot of times you're going to get folks who are, who are in it for the long haul. Like they understand that it's a, it's a much different game than playing fantasy football. Um, because of the six month marathon that we go through. And so your information edge, it's not really there. That's why the proactive edge has to be there. You can't wait for a sample size to bank on with a free agent. You got to jump. You got to see that one great start in the box score. Jump on your MLB.tv. Or, or even if you don't have it, go to the MLB.com and look at the the videos that they do have. Try to see something and say, "Hey, was, was this just the normal guy? You know, is this Jason Vargas as normal? Or is there something different for me?" By the way, it is Jason Vargas as normal? You don't want that. It will it will blow up. But you got to make the move after one or two starts. You don't get to wait five starts to where you can say, oh, this strikeout rate has stabilized. It's just not that way anymore. You've got to be active. I think the one you mentioned with Marcus Simeon is a great point. No one's thinking Franklin Barreto right now because Marcus Simeon's not on the DL. But if you wait until he does get on the DL, then Franklin Pareto is going to be the top pickup of the week, you know, in an AL only um, and, and some of these deep 15 teamers that everyone plays with the uh, with the main event. And so you can't wait. I love that that point about proactivity. I think that that's huge. Staying on top of the news, managing your team in season. I think the number is. Like fifteen to twenty percent of your stats are going to come from from pickups and and trades. Obviously, NFBC you can't trade, but but uh, other leagues you can trade. And I I understand that that's not over an overwhelming amount, but that's just the average. That means some teams are getting thirty percent, maybe forty percent. And that's why I said if you do have that disastrous draft and you do manage in season, you can come out of it. It's very difficult, and you have to do the work. But that's part of why we play right to, to dive in and do the work and and, and find the next gems right
1: that, that's absolutely true and look when you're playing in a, in a competitive league you know we play in leagues with you know fantasy royalty <laughs> you know the the guys the Steve Gardners and the Tristan Cockroft and, you know I don't want to leave people out but I certainly will you know the Glenn Coltons the Rick Wolf yeah, very kind the Jason Collette you know Sarah with the both Um, <laughs> they, these guys were all going to do that. So you have to go to another level uh, in order to get that small advantage. And I will say that in a twelve team AL only, twelve team NL only, I think a greater percentage of your stats come from pickups because you have to find value because the end of your mm-hmm. draft, invariably, I don't care how much you play for you know, being consistent and getting, you know, good middle values, there's garbage on your roster
0: it's gonna start absolutely. to stink. <laughs> absolut absolut freaking Lutley. Because you don't know you don't the rosters aren't really settled we, we're going off of what we know in march and, and we're and we're taking ga- gambles but yeah there's so much more so many more churn spots on your al and nl only teams that you are kind of cycling in looking for those prospects or those uh maybe post-hype guys who who finally get the playing time and it clicks and so you just always have to be proactive so that that's the main thing about in-season management and again the, the, M also does stand for your, for your in, in auction and in draft management, which is a key part. But since the season's already started, I wanted to focus on the, uh, on the in season because that's something that Jason and I have talked about that that's something we're always working on. Uh, that it's been a weaker part of our game in the past and, and we're trying to be a lot better about it this year. Uh, and that's why we're going to win labor mixed because, uh, we're, we're following some tenets of the smart system oh, and yeah. we figure, You know, why not? Because Glenn and Glenn and Rick are are, and Stacey are dominating. We want to dominate too. So let's move on to the A, which is which stands for anchors. Again, might be self explanatory, but give us some thoughts on anchors. Yeah,
1: I mean starting pitching is so difficult to predict. That's why guys like you and Eno need to be listened to because you spend so much time studying it, looking for that little predictor, but it is hard to do. The best in the business are only okay at it. And everyone else Mm -hmm. terrible at it. (laughs) So, getting an anchor, a guy who, absent something fluky you can write down 200, 180 to 200 Ks, you could write down a whip under one, two, Uh, you know, you could write down, you know, uh, an ERA, you know, in the low threes or better, is critical to stabilizing your staff. You don't need to have um, Clayton Kershaw to do that, though, he's the ultimate anchor. Uh, But, you know, get a guy you can count on so in most of our leagues we have either darvish you know a couple years post tj chris archer uh noah Syndergaard, Corey kluber these guys who all we can basically count on which allows some you know more prospecting as you try to build the back end of your staff which will surely either underperform or get hurt
0: that's a great point you want to have that that frontline rotation arm can't always get kershaw because of where you pick in the first round um and, and so you know you 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 can't wait too long i was waiting longer this year but i was getting a lot of the same guys you're talking about archer uh was a good one darvish that that's about where i was with with my with my anchor as well but i don't think you can get lucky, right? You know, if you were really big on James Paxton this year, which I was, but you were making him like your, your 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 first guy. Well, so far it looks good, but he's certainly not super reliable. So I think you need somebody who's been through that 200 inning ringer before. Um, you want at least one guy, and Archer's one that you named that I love because even in last year's season, he still made it throughout the entire year. He still put up his strikeouts. It was just a tough year. And sometimes even the great pitchers can have a tough year. And so I actually really, really like him. A couple guys that you cited when you put it up, uh, when you put up the smart piece this year. And, and by the way, fantasyalarm.com slash smart. You can read in more detail about all of this. Uh, you cited Danny Salazar and Marcus Stroman who go for pretty big numbers considering they haven't done all that much. You you, you cite Salazar's whip, one thirty-four. That was in his good year, and then you know last year Marcus Stroman had a four thirty-seven. I love Marcus Stroman, I really do, but he's far from guaranteed. You got to have at least one anchor. Is it always one, or do, do you ever consider going for two anchors?
1: You know, uh, most of the time it's only one, just for pure cost. It, it, okay. You know, if you want to get a guy like Archer or Darvish, right? Those two guys in let's say tout or Labor. Would cost you in total fifty-five dollars combined. Yes. Boy, it, and if you would need a twenty-dollar closer, you're going to be at a hundred dollars in your pitching staff before it starts, and your hitting will be bad. So we try
0: not doing that. Let's push the R right in there then, because that does stand for relievers, and you guys are all about um, paying for saves and and saying, you know what, we're, we're going to get somebody that is steady, and even when you do that, you can't predict it. Obviously, we see right now what's happening with Zach Britton, but I fully agree with this. I I like the ace relievers. Tell us a little bit about the R in smart for relievers.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much it's exactly what you're saying, and it's the same concept. Lock in your first 30 saves, 30 to 40 saves, depending on how the season rolls, and then you can be in the pool with everyone else trying to get that second guy or in a shallow lead that third guy where you can jump from, let's say, fifth to first. But you're not going to fall below a good solid point level if you have a reliable believer. But you know, jumping down slightly in the rules of engagement, that guy should be on a
0: good team. If that's on a, bad, they just have more opportunities.
1: Well, that that's number one, and number two is, if you're in a pennant race, you do not trade your closer to go become a a, a setup man somewhere else. The, the closer oh, yeah. on a bad team becomes a setup man on a good team in August and September, and you're SOL. So that's another really critical point. And I will tell you that every time we experiment with not doing this, we regret it. We experimented with Tout Wars, which allows you to have 10 pitchers, and we rostered sort of six high strikeout number twos, and maybe that'll work out as a test, but I'm very nervous about it. I'd much rather have my ace reliever than go back to work. I
0: I continually look at, at my most successful teams, to a team they almost always have a stud reliever if not two sometimes i'll do the double up um you know that that gets talked a lot about uh jeff erickson was the first guy i really heard talk about he said that he got it from todd zola so i'll give todd zola the credit there about doubling up on those two studs especially these days with the ratios and the strikeouts that they give they can be so valuable so again i know it doesn't always work out because you can't predict injury and, and, and zach Britton might have somebody who paid for saves questioning that but I stand by it. I still think it's the way to go. And, and even if you want to get technical, it's not like there wasn't some warning with Zach Britton this year. He did have a little bit of a hiccup uh, in spring. So if you were kind of up on the news on that, then maybe he wasn't the anchor that you wanted. But again, I ju- I, I don't I wasn't out there telling anybody to not draft uh, Zach Britton. So I don't want to pretend like I was. Let's move over to the T, and then we'll get into the rules of engagement because that moves everything down a deeper level and really starts talking more about it. Uh, T stands for team and it kind of goes to what you were just saying about relievers, uh, but it can apply to everyone on your team. You want players on good teams, right?
1: I mean, there's no question about that. You are going to get more opportunities to score run, to drive in run, uh, to on a team that scores more runs. You're going to get more fastball if you're playing on a team, you know, that has guys on base all the time. You're going to get better pitches to hit you know, if Mike Trout is behind you than if Matt Davidson, no offense, is behind you. That's just the way it is. And I'm not ranking on him, but saying he's not Mike Trout is not really a big himself. Um, True. You know, so all of those factors really matter. Plus, you know, teams in pennant races got to keep playing their guys. So if you draft a solid veteran, I'm not going to pick on anyone in particular, let's say the, the Marlins fallout out of contention. Are they really going to be playing Martin Prado in September? Is Howie Kendrick really going to be playing in September on the Phillies when they fall out of contention? You know, probably Mm -hmm. not. You know, will Anthony Rizzo sit in September? Probably not.
0: No. It would take something pretty substantial.
1: Right. So, uh, you know, that's where the team concept comes in. And obviously, if you're a starting pitcher on a good team, the likelihood of getting wins is far greater. If you're a starting pitcher on a team with a very strong bullpen, the bullpen could blow your lead and get, and, and lose your critical weight. So all of that. Or
0: give you more earned runs, by the way. That's, that's another thing I don't think we talk a lot about is that the bad bullpen will also throw a few earned runs onto a lot of starts when a guy leaves in the middle of an inning.
1: That's a hundred percent right. That's a great point. And it, it is one of the most frustrating things other than watching Fernando Rodney pitch about watching games. <laughs> is seeing relievers pile runs onto somebody else's, i.e. your starter stats.
0: It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Now, on a team situation, when you're looking at – I'm trying to think of a good example here because I, I, I know that the potential speed makes it this a tough comparison with Will, Will Myers. So Will Myers, middle of the lineup on uh, the Padres, right, a, a, a bad team. They're not going to be a good team this year. Do you favor somebody like a Chris Davis who's going to be on a solid Baltimore team? By the way, perennially underrated out to a good start again that after the projection systems were were down on them. And I understand why. I don't like that rotation, but they're out there performing yet again. Do, do you, is, that a, is it an automatic tiebreaker, or do you already just rate somebody like that, like Chris Davis, ahead of a Will Myers because of the team context?
1: It, it, it's a little more nuanced than that. We'll, we'll come up with our – We'll put a value on every player. We're not, you know, uh, completely married to I will not pay more than the number I put on our player. Mm -hmm. We're not precise enough for that. But we'll come up with a range that we think is is right to pay for the player. And then we will boost it up or down based on things like the quality of the team they're on and some of the other rules of engagement that we'll talk about. So with Chris Davis playing in a great park and then getting, you know, Another 27 of his games in the combination of you know Toronto, Boston, and New York, he's playing a minimum of 110 games in great hitters' parks, right? So that boosts it up. The fact that there's really good hitters on that team moves it up. Uh, and whereas with his Myers, it's a combination of moving him down not only for the team but for the lack of a track record and bad health grade.
0: Yes. Yes, a lot lot of lot of factors working against the Will Myers in comparison to somebody like a Chris Davis, and yet Will Myers was consistently going ahead. Of Chris Davis this year and uh, that was a switch I made kind of in the middle of draft season I took a second look at Chris Davis somebody I've never really been huge on this is Chris Davis Baltimore by the way and uh, realized that I might have had it wrong so I was out there seeking his his services and got him in a couple weeks so pretty happy about that but let's let's dive into the rules of engagement we're not going to cover every single one some of them are pretty self-explanatory but uh, I'm going to run them down and then and then I'll ask you some questions about them we have age injuries uh, big free agents on new teams, velocity, upside, hype, ratio protection, home park, and speed matters. Uh, age, we, we know that one. Although I will ask one, one, one quick thing about that. Age obviously means you, you, you're probably not interested in getting 35 year olds too often, but they are, they can be steady though too. So is it more about super young or super old when you're talking age?
1: I, I think it's a matter of the, the outside, like you say, super old, super young. Look, it, you could make the argument that Adrian Beltre has been one of the steadiest players in the game, and you'd be right. But that's mm-hmm. not the point. If you're asking me, who do I want a stratomatic card of last year's stats? I'm all in. <laughs> you know? Yes, absolutely. But if you're asking me what's going to happen next year, you have to just take into account that he's more likely that Miguel Cabrera at 35 at that. Um, you know, uh, Matt Holiday at 37 are more likely to have those injuries that keep them out of the lineup. And so you have to, what we do is we take the value down. It doesn't mean I take, I, I pass on Adrian Beltre or Miguel Cabrera to pick up Howie Kendrick. You know, it doesn't mean that. You know, and I like Howie Kendrick. I should be, you know,
0: we're, yeah. we're we're killing Howie Kendrick well, out here.
1: I love him. I have him on a number of teams, but
0: um, he's actually. I think he's going to hit pretty well again this year. I think he's going to be back up in his in his normal two eighty whatever. Um, so it is funny that we've mentioned him a few times.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. But and I think he's going to do 90s. i I'm with you. But the uh, the point is that if you're comparing, uh, you know, let's say an Adrian Beltre and a um, a Kyle Seeger, for example, you know, if you just looked at last year or the last two years, you might take Beltre. I would take Seeger because I think he's much less likely to have just a disaster or getting hurt season. So a, I fully agree. And the younger guys, right? Uh, I know you guys went for Trey Turner in the first round, and I get it, and I see the upside. But we stay away from someone who doesn't have a proven track record, mm-hmm. one year or two months, whatever. It doesn't mean we won't pay for it. It just means we won't pay full value, right? So if I think For example, Gary Sanchez is a third-round pick at his current pass. I'll take him in the fourth or fifth. I just won't take him third
0: because he was a discount, right? Okay, exactly. That makes sense. That makes total sense, especially on the young guys. And I totally get it. Um, Man, we were we were really eyeing Harper, and we thought Harper was going to make it, and then he didn't. And I,
1: I, I got to tell you, I was thinking of you and Jason when I was in my main event trap, and I had the ten pick, which you know is what you guys are famous for, and. Harper made to it. ten um, because Cattania went five, and I was like, "Ah, this five. is awesome! <laughs>
0: five! Five! My goodness! Like, I mean, that's that just takes it too far, I guess. I I, I don't oh. know. I know, like, first round is a first round, right? That the person picking five, that's their only chance at a first round pick. I get that to the to a degree, but I got guys at five that I'm taking. Easily ahead of, uh, of Turner. There's just no way. There's just no way. And if I'd had anybody that I was like ready to go to the mat for, I might have pushed back on Turner at 10. And I'm not saying this because he's hurt or anything like that or saying I, uh, I'm not washing my hands of the pick or anything. We talked about it and I said, yeah, let's, let's, let's go ahead and do it. Um, I was so focused on Harper that I didn't really create a game plan for somebody else. And that was stupid on my part, by the way. I should have had some other names, but. I, I was as high on Harper and, and Jason was as high on Turner. We had two guys that we liked. We figured one would make it. And it, it was, it was something that we went ahead and did. And so the thing for me with, with Turner is I, I felt that his power could come back and he'd still be fine. I was kind of seeing a snowing Marte sort of mold with him. And you know, um, you, you, had this tweet with, uh, Iceman Steve Gardner about some of the, some of the, um, overhyped or super hyped guys this year and how they're not doing too well with with Turner hurt um Benintendi struggling a little bit and and had to deal with that nasty flu that went through Boston Sanchez hurt I think there were a couple other guys there was like five guys and I pushed back and I said well you know you didn't predict injury for Turner so how does that count and then you pointed out that it, it wasn't that so much it was track record you have no idea really what you're getting even if he had stayed healthy, and so that I completely understood, and that's that's the young end of age, and then the old end is that once you're over 35, injuries can strike at any point. And injuries are the next one. Injuries matter. Now, when you're talking about guys in the middle there of, like they've had injury issues, but they're superstars when they're great. Harper and Stanton. How do you how do the injuries come into play for guys like that? The the, the studs that if they stay healthy, they're going to decimate the league.
1: Well, I mean Stanton is kind of an easier answer to that question because he's got he a track record. Yeah. I mean he's got a track <laughs> record of four hundred uh, four hundred and fifty plate appearances, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, he's gonna hit his twenty five home runs in that space. Pay for that and then you have upside. But if you pay for the forty home runs that will come if he stays healthy, you have no chance of profit. Yes. And you have That's no a great chance call. of getting, you know, a big problem. And You know, look, it's a little bit chalk, if you will, but Rich Hill is hurt. I mean, anybody who drafted him thinking, oh, this is the year he gets through, you know, 180 innings, deserves what they get. They just didn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're upset with what happened, I I can't really help you on, on, on that one. I was slotting Hill where he was and saying, you know, we're gonna get another 110 to 120 and I think they'll be good, but for those who are, oh, we can get 150 this year. Why? Why would we all of a sudden get more than, than he's done in, in previous years? That part didn't really make any sense to me and, you know, you had to price that in and some people just don't want the headache and this is something that goes back, uh, with injuries to also the reliever piece with taking sketchy closers is that not only are you, are you paying like a premium for say Stanton, um, and there's a bit of a premium on on Rich Hill this year, and 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 guys with injury track records. But now you have to spend in-season resources to to fix that when they do get hurt, or when the sketchy relievers do fall apart. You have to go into the pool, and that just cuts into your potential to get the next hot prospect, or or whoever the best emerging guy is, whoever this year's Jonathan VR or JD Martinez is. So there's like a double cost to it that I don't think we always um, assess properly either.
1: Oh, I think that's 100% right. And there are some out in the, quote, expert community that will say, you know, when you value Giancarlo Stanton, you have to include the stats you'll get for the other 200 plate appearances. Well, you know what? In a 12-team mixer, you can probably go out and get a, a Kevin Polar, right, or somebody like sure. that. Sure. Let me give you a solid number. But in a 12-team NL only, you're talking about Matt Caesar, who well, I think is a nice player, but he's never going to play.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're not getting a whole lot there, and and that's the thing. We play, you and I specifically play in a lot of deeper leagues, and that's not everyone's Experience, So I understand people going for Stanton in a 10-team mixer and or a 12-team mixer. That does make sense at that point because you are trying to spike that 50-homer season because it can be such a game changer. But you have to alter it based on the league. Too often I see people taking that 10- and 12-team strategy and applying it in 15-team or the the 12-team NL only. And then they are left holding the bag when Stanton gets inevitably gets hurt. And then, like you said, they're replacing it with Matt Caesar or John Jay. And it's like, well, what happened here? what do you think happened he got hurt again and and you did it in a league that's way too deep so you have to be smart about how those in-season resources are going to be spent too maybe in a thousand dollar fab you're a little bit more liberal with it but in a hundred dollar fab like labor mixed is i think you want a little bit more stability that hundred bucks can dry up quickly especially if a few big names come out early oh that's sounds- let's move on right go ahead sorry uh, uh, the next one I really like this is one that I've come into the last couple of years and uh, to be honest I was always familiar with the smart but not always familiar with all the rules of engagement so I inadvertently stole a rule of engagement and pretended that I'd come upon it myself so uh, I apologize for that this is a long time rule of engagement and it's a very good one Big money free agent signings. And um, this particular for me for pitchers, and I, I've done a little bit of study on that with pitchers, but I think it applies globally. Uh, again, a little bit self-explanatory in terms of what it means, but go a little bit deeper. Big money free agents. Is that something that you guys generally avoid or uh, or universally avoid?
1: We pretty much never own those guys because they they go at full value or more and we're taking 20% discount because what we think is, look, they, we forget sometimes in the in the numbers community, that baseball players are human beings, right? That
0: mm-hmm.
1: these are guys who are taking a new job. They're living in a new city. They have new coworkers. They may be a new lead. They're working with, you know, uh, new teammates trying to gel on the field. Uh, new mentality, The new hitting coach. Uh, separated from their family. This is all stuff that, you know, gets people. And they're pressing to justify the huge money they're being paid. Sometimes it's an obscene amount of money. I mean, you know, so you take Ndwin Encarnacion, right, who's been, uh, you know, 34-plus home runs for five straight years. He's got one homer in his first 50-plus plate appearances. He's striking out 35% of the time, and he's hitting 205 because he's pressing and he's not comfortable. Oh, yeah. And so will he rebound? Yes. Is there a buying opportunity come around you know April 30th, May 15th? Yes, but he can't possibly give you 42 125 if he has a bad first six weeks. So you can't pay for the full six months. That's the basic theory there. And there's so many examples of that. I mean, Zach uh, actually happened to be in LA, so Zach Greinke pitched um, on Friday, so it reminds me uh, he had a bad year after signing that $200 million dollar contract.
0: It was it was, it was rough,
1: right? Uh, no big it surprise was, there. Even the great Robbie Cano, you know, the, the guy whose picture I, I, I want to have on my wall. Uh,
0: that you guys are known for right. uh, investing in.
1: He, he didn't have a Robbie Cano year in his very first year in Seattle. Now, it doesn't mean don't own these guys. It means don't pay full value for these guys. I mean, Cano had only 14 homers, uh, at, you know, and only 80 ribbies in his first year in Seattle. Is that a bad year? No. Did you get a profit from that what you
0: had to pay? Hell no. Yeah, did you get second round value? I don't think so. And that's a big thing, by the way, that you mentioned that I want to highlight. None of these rules of engagement are saying universally X these guys off of your list. It's saying don't pay for it at the perceived price that we think they're going to go. Big money free agents, like you said, they're hyped. They were talked about a lot in the winter. They're going to a new team. We're all jazzed up about it. Don't pay the full price. If you can get the discount, great. If you can't, you move on. Um, you know, Trey Turner, super, super over, uh, overhyped guy that everyone's super interested in. If you can't, if you got to pay pick six, no thanks, move on. If he falls to pick sixteen, he's in, you know, he's in early second round or or somehow later than that, then you're jumping back in. It's all about the certain price. There's not really. Uh, absolutes with this, and I think that that's something to continue to remember uh, as we continue to go through here on these rules of engagement. I like these two kind of paired together here because they're kind of interesting, right? Upside matters, but hype matters. So, sure, Trey Turner has amazing upside. Gary Sanchez has amazing upside, but they also have a lot of hype, and so you're paying for something that they haven't done yet. And so maybe look at the upside in the middle and later portions of the draft, right? Where you're getting a post-hype guy or or somebody who's you know kind of just off the radar but falling into some new playing time and can get some upside that way. Talk a little bit about upside and hype and how they are are, are different but almost similar at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to ruin your show, the but they're, they're actually very different because what we're talking about here. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, I mean, no worries. Uh, hype is is a two-sided coin. Right. So there are the guys who are super hyped right now because they've had a couple of good months, the Greg Birds, the, um, you know, the Turners, the Sanchez, et cetera. And it's a don't pay full value for those guys. But the post type guys who have been written off because at such a young age, that's where some serious value is. The so guys who are like Adesile Garcia, we talked about earlier in the podcast. This guy is only 26. He's got 1,500 mm-hmm. plate appearances in the major league. He was in the ALTS at 21 years old. And all of a sudden, at 24, he can't hit? It's ridiculous. So there's huge value in the post-hype guys as well. Um, you know, an enduring CR take, for example, is only 26, and, you know, killing it. But is he going to hit 50 homers? No. Is he going to hit more than he hit last year? Yes, because he's still growing. 26, he's still maturing. Um, that's where, uh, so do we talk about hype and the two sides of that coin. Upside is more of an upside late, which means you see a lot of people fill in the end of their rosters, especially in deep leagues, you know, with, uh, you know, guys like uh, Nick Ahmed or, you know, Gosselin or guys like this who will never become big time players. We would like to say, all right, we're going to shoot the moon. And in every league other than NL only, we have Gleyber Torres as a last pick. And even if he gets two months, that could be the difference between winning and losing. Get the outside guy at the end of your draft. Not the guys who, you know, Ryan going, yeah, maybe I could plug him in at any position.
0: If yeah, you but why would team, you want to? Right. Why would there's, you want to?
1: Mananori Kawasaki is a classic example of that, yep. you know.
0: Take take, them, take those guys for free in, in the reserve maybe to fill in for your Glaber Torres. Another thing about that, by the way, with Glaber Torres specifically and, and, and guys of that ilk is, okay, he's debuting at AA this year, and five, six, seven years ago – he's not making it up this year they just they just wouldn't do that you gotta you gotta hit triple a and so he would need you know in best cases he would go half season triple a or excuse me half season double a half season AAA, maybe September call-up these days once you're at AAA you're knocking on the door you don't even have to go to AAA and once you are in double a you've got a shot. And so even the guys um, who, okay, maybe had a full season high A and they're going to start at high A this year with the expectation that a good a good month will get them to double A, those guys are in play as well. I That's something I've had to adjust to over the last two, three years that you don't have to see somebody on double A as being a full year away. They could come up in that given season because um, teams are now realizing that these young guys, when they've got their bullets loaded and they're ready to go – you don't have to wait for them to, to go through this whole uh, seasoning process. Now, sometimes they're gonna it's gonna be too early. They're gonna get smacked down, and they're gonna have to go do that Triple A time. But plenty of cases where they come up and they've shown themselves to be very ready, even after say thirty games at Triple A and stuff like that. So I like what you're talking about on that upside piece. Don't take those slugs. One other thing with that, and let me know if you if you feel the same way here. I think people get too hyped on. Um, april rosters they look at who on uh, roster research oh this guy's starting and it is those nick ahmeds those phil gosslins those ryan goins and they're like Well, oh, I, I got a starter now yeah but for how long they're not good players it, you know relative to fantasy so why even bother with them i think i think they forget that it's the six month slog and get too focused on april
1: oh well, i think that's a great point that you're making and uh there's just no question that you know, people overreact to role as opposed to, you know, skills. And that's, you know, the baseball folks, Ron Chandler, taking you know, it from them, so it goes to them. But they're 100% right. You know, I don't care how long, uh, you know, it says in roster resource somebody's got a job. Did you really think John Mark Gomez was going to be the closer all year? No.
0: no, there's no way. I think they gave him a hat tip for last year because I was like, if the leash is that short, why even do it? And and uh, a Philly fan was saying, well, yeah, uh, I think it was saying, listen, you did well last year. We'll name you. We'll give you a shot to do it again this year if you can pull another rabbit. Good luck. But we got two guys breathing down your neck, one veteran, one up and comer, in Neris and he couldn't. He couldn't do it. Draft skills, not roles. is like you said, the HQ mantra, and it is still so apt to the, to this day.
1: 100%. I'll tell you another one. We, we own a ton of shares of Javier Baez because the skills are off the charts. He's still only like 24 years old. Mm-hmm. He's played second, short, and third, which in deep leagues is huge. And everyone devalued him because Joe Oh, I don't know, how much would we be able to get him in? You know what? <laughs> He's going to play... Maybe he won't have six hundred plate appearances, maybe be five twenty five, but that's going to be more than enough to profit.
0: And if he and if he takes the two steps forward, Javier Baez does, then he's in every single day, and that's the thing too. That kind of goes back to the upside. That's middle round upside. Remember last year, year before, uh, Javier Baez was was on the hype train. It, it was the it was on the other other side. He's been a little bit underwhelming uh as a major leaguer striking out too much and so that he fades away i think that the the fantasy community at large overreacts when when the guys that they hype up too high don't perform immediately they then discard them the 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 stock price will fall you know so quickly and so hard and it's so weird to me you were so geeked on this guy before he'd ever done anything it's it's the it's the unknown that they have you know they can project onto the unknown but once a guy does something they think that that guy is 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 what he is in the majors and that's just not the case they some guys have to learn not everyone comes up and can go chris bryant that's very rare hell even trout was garbage for what like 150 plate appearances that first year came back and has been the best player in the universe since then so i love the middle and late round upside, um and that had me taking some bias shares this year too especially as people kind of kind of backed off a little bit
1: yeah no, and believe me with all the injuries uh, i'm loving bias i'm loving you know Chet jorko guys that we can move around but you know that's sort of common sense right you're going to need to fill it
0: it is common sense but it's still a little bit underrated those two guys specifically jerko you know not sexy at all sorry nando defino if you're listening not not a very sexy player at all but the value of being able to play every position in again the deep leagues that you and i often play and so it's not for everybody but if you're in a deeper league it's just huge and i love it and uh that that's a big deal to me uh we got a few more here we got uh, ratio protection matters, home park matters, and speed matters. Home park, I think everyone gets inherently. You know, Coors Field, you can't overrate it enough for hit- you can't rate it highly enough for. Hit- I don't want to say overrate it, but you can't rate it highly enough for hitters. Camden Yards, Jason, and I always talk about getting Camden bashers. Um, you know, PNC Park for pitchers. We we kind of know each extreme end there, so we're not going to really dive into that. I am interested in this one because per- you put protection matters ratio protection, that is. So you're not talking about the lineup protection thing, which we can get into the debate of how much that matters. I think there's something to it, but it's not universal. I'm very interested in the uh, ratio protection that you talk about as a rule of engagement.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that it's easy to look at and say, okay, uh, I need 20 saves, and you can go get them. And you can figure out during the season how big a problem you have in saves, you know, home runs kind of simple to see. The ratios are much harder to see, and the damage of really bad ratio pitchers is much worse than you can really imagine. It's as if you have a guy that is hitting minus 30 homers. If you if that guy was out there, even if he stole 50 bases, you'd never touch him. Well, mm-hmm. that's what some pitchers do to your ratios, That they kill them. So the guys will, you know, a guy like Blake Snell if I was a major league GM. But I'm worried he's going to blow up my whip, and I have, we have no shares. Guys like that, guys like Francisco Liriano, I've got him for you know, a buck in one home But other than that, he's too risky, that he'll just drag my
0: whole staff down. Those are the guys
1: we stay with. Him.
0: And, I, you know, batting average guys, too, that, that they do give you the power, um, but they hit 220, and they, and they play a ton that stings and that's why i i'm i'm careful on on certain guys you know like miguel sano and and kyle schwarber that i think that that it doesn't get enough run what they could do to your batting average now the one thing that it doesn't go against it but it's something to remember um and todd zola's done some great research on this so i encourage people to go take a look at that is that you can actually fix your ratios in season longer than a lot of people think a lot of people think that once you kind of hit june july you're, you're, you're kind of stuck But it's not true because they're so tight and that's why you don't, that's another reason why you, why you want to protect it because you don't want to be the guy who is at at the very bottom and you can't dig out because if you sit mid pack, then you can actually gain points with a, with a key trade or a key acquisition off the wire to your batting average whip or ERA, um, or OPS or, uh, OBP depending on what sort of leagues you play. So don't give up on your ratios and say, okay, we're not doing well through May. So let me go get. You know, two more whip slugs just to get some Ks because I'm not going to fix it anyway. If you get too far behind, yes, you can't fix it. But if you stick mid pack, you can make big moves in July and August. Todd has done the research, so I think keeping an eye on your ratios is very underrated still in fantasy baseball.
1: Oh, I I completely agree, and I agree with Todd. You can fix it. I just think like it's harder. And here's the problem: it's harder to see when you need that
0: back- and to predict it too. Right? You don't know. When someone's going to go off and, and have a good ERA, like, because you never predict somebody's going to have five starts of a 150 ERA. You just draft a highly skilled guy who happens to do something like that. So that's another thing, that, you know, same with the batting average guy. Okay, we know DJ LeMay, who's probably good for no worse than a 290, but when is that 380 month coming? And and And, and can I trade for that at the right time? You know, so... That's another part that makes it difficult to fix. So I'm, I'm, I totally understand that. That's why you need to be smart about it and not take those those slugs. And, and if you do, make sure there's protection. Like I love Joey Votto in OBP Leagues. He's a first-rounder without any question. I don't understand how he sometimes falls out of the first round in OBP Leagues. It's comical that that even happens. But he allows you to take two other OBP slugs, and they won't hurt you. I don't know that you can do that with whip, though. I don't know there's somebody that's so good in whip, you know, even Kershaw, that you could take two other guys, that you could take Snell and Liriano without hurting yourself.
1: You can't because the guys like, uh, like Botto or batting average, you know, Robbie Cano, you know, is going to hit two 90s, get up 600 times. Uh, the pitchers missed time. Even the great Clayton Kershaw missed two months last year. Mm-hmm are much more likely in this time and if you're really counting on one picture carry two others then that's a house of
0: cards that can come down in a hurry exactly exactly uh let's talk speed speed something that i'm always I'm a, little, I'm a little sketchy on in general i am a sucker for power speed combos and i usually try to get my speed there i'm not much for the uh for the one trick pony guys uh, who are speed like billy hamilton and whatnot how do you guys approach them? You say speed matters. Well, what what does that mean?
1: It's, a, it's basically what you just said. In other words, get your speed throughout your lineup, right? And you look, at if Billy Hamilton, you think of a twenty out player and he's a ten, you know, of course, go get him. No big deal. But I'm talking about if you have a choice between, um, you know, uh, a George Springer on the one hand and an Adam Jones on the other, hand. one, if you be twenty steals, the one not going, to, right? Mm-hmm. That's where you make a difference, and if you get a number of guys who are multiple category guys, um, almost all our teams are built around those types of players, then you're going to have enough speed with your solid everyday players that you're going to be in the middle of the pack, and if you find a good speed guy, well, then you win the category.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think uh one of the things mentioned in in the piece, fantasyalarm.com slash smart again for those that want to check it out is that um you can take the one trick ponies late, right? You could you could try a Travis Jankowski out or Manny Margot and obviously they're having disparate seasons right now. Margot's doing pretty well and Jankowski isn't, but there it's not killing you. But when you take a Billy Hamilton now, if Billy Hamilton has a leg injury or if D. Gordon you were banking on him to be your speed, people who drafted D. Gordon last year probably didn't supplement him very much, and then he got suspended. And their speed is tanked, Glenn.
1: Yep, you're, you're 100% right. You, you increase your risk. But the other problem is with those one-trick ponies, they could get taken out of the lineup. Now, look, Billy Hamilton probably stays a right great center Great defense,
0: team, right? too,
1: yeah. Right? But, you know, if you're a D. Gordon, if you're not hitting, you're out of the lineup.
0: Yeah, because he's actually not that good defensively.
1: Oh, right, that, that's exactly the right point. And a lot of these speed guys don't tend to be great. The, the defenders, even... You know, I mean, the great, the greatest speed guy of all time, Ricky Henderson, was not a great outfielder. Nope. Uh, he was flashy, <laughs> but he was not a great outfielder. And that's fairly common with these great speed guys. So it's much safer to get guys like, you know, like we're talking about, like Springer and, uh, you know, or up the amount of money you're willing to pay for a speed guy who's also a great player in other categories, Trout, Altuve,
0: Pollock, Polanco Marte uh, guys like that who are going to get your speed elsewhere I just I don't like putting it all in in, in one basket there I'm totally with you um, so those those are the rules of engagement uh, I'm not going to ask you to to say that this one is 100% over this one but what are some of the most important? Like, I'm sure there's a hierarchy to these in your head when you're when you're there and you're saying, you know what, I can give a little on this one, but uh, he really fits this rule of engagement, so I'm going to go for this guy. Do you have a couple that stand out as as most highly focused on by by you, Rick and and Stacy, when you guys are in there uh, in your auctions?
1: Yeah, it's definitely the age, the injury prone, and the big time free agent. Okay, because that's where you're going to make your big money mistakes, right? Uh, you know, I mean, the whole show and the whole thing about rules of engagement is to take off the rules of engagement in Top Gun where, you know, Viper says these rules of engagement exist for the protection of, of your, you and your team. Uh, we say the rules of engagement, you know, exist for the protection of your fantasy. And, and auctioning as a team is very, very hard. Yes. It, you know, there's no time to fail, time out. We need to talk about whether to it is. We have to know what we're doing. So when we look at each other and say, oh, do we go the extra dollar, two dollars here? If somebody violates one of those big rules, we simply say, never, ever leave your wingman.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love, love it. And then you and start we quoting Wedding there. Crashers after that. I mean, it devolves it quickly. Stop projecting. You, no, you tell Rick to stop projecting. Stacy calls you a hillbilly. and I mean, hilarity ensues but you stay focused on, on the, uh, the rules of engagement. And again, it's delivered a lot of success because having um, a, a duo or, or a trio of drafts. I know Stacey isn't always at the drafts. I know she's at Labor. Uh, she wasn't at Tout. But I think it's it's so interesting that you guys can make the team aspect work. And, again, you guys give each other one look. I, I, I was watching. I, I ran the board in AO and just kind of watching the room during during some key bids. You guys give one look and you know whether or not to go up, cause Rick does, Rick, is he running the computer and the numbers and then you're the, you're the bidder? Is that kinda how it goes? That's correct. That's yeah, correct. and yeah. so one quick I have look more and- <laughs> What's that? I have more self-control. <laughs> rick's out there buying all these injured guys and uh, overpaying for gary sanchez like what's going on but it it really is impressive to kind of watch you guys and just be able to say nope uh you know one one quick glance and, and you're going up two bucks or or you're pulling back completely um you guys do great work and having a system like this to kind of guide you is great because it thins the massive pool too i think i heard rick say this one time on the show it's like yeah, we want to know as much about every player as we can, but you can't know everything about 750-plus players. So why don't you cut some of the pool with some rules that work? And that's a big part of the smart system, right?
1: Absolutely. And, it, again, it's because it's not so much that we will never have trade turn. Like, if the bidding is going to stop at 10, we are going to say 11. <laughs> yeah. We're going to say 20. But we generally know he's not going to be on our team this year. So we don't spend a lot of time researching and talking about it. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about Edwin and Canazio. Not because we don't love it, the type of player over the you know, next three years. But we know we just aren't going to pay the price here. And when you have to review we do this in Arizona at labor. Every one of those 750 players to be able to cross off some is very helpful.
0: It's huge. It's huge. And now here's what's going to happen. Dre Turner's already hurt. He's going to struggle through this year and then he's going to be a Colton Wolfman and Stern special next year because upside matters, and everyone's going to jump off the train and say, that guy burned me when I took him number five overall, and I'm not going to have him this year. And then he's going to start going in the ninth round, and you guys are going to have him on every single team when he breaks out next year. That's exactly how this story plays out, right?
1: Heck yeah. (laughs) For my sake,
0: I hope not because, because (laughs) as you mentioned, Jason and I have in labor, but it wouldn't surprise me.
1: Well, don't get me wrong, we don't root against them, we never root for anybody to get hurt, ever. But it's just, uh, you know, it's it just too hard to be really good at this. So we put uh, a real skeleton together that will hold together, and then we put some information, you know, some meat on the bone. Especially when you're playing in a tough league, whether it's a tough home league, it's folks, uh, the guys and girls in the league are really good, or an expert league where you're trying to match wits with, with you know, not the, you know, in Jason Colette and Pulse board and whatever. It, you have to have an edge. And we think this is, you know, our edge. Does it work every year? Heck no. Does it work more than it fails? Yeah.
0: It, it absolutely That's does. It absolutely does. About as good does. as you can do. Yeah, I, you guys have had great success, and it's it, it's really something to, to to behold and um and and learn from. And I love that you guys are willing to share it, though. Too that's it's out there for everyone to you know take take what they like from it. If you don't like all of it, that's fine. But you should take factors from it and apply it to your draft. There, the success is there. And by the way, happy five year anniversary of Colton uh, the Wolfman. I, I believe that you said the debut was five years ago today.
1: Five years ago today, let me tell you a funny story, which we will share on the air. Uh, first day, finally get the show. It's going to launch. We're going to, at that time, it was on at 8 o'clock five years ago, and uh, Kay Adams of the NFL Network, who she was hosting on X M at the time with, with Kyle and Ray, uh, she was on the air, and she's, like, hyping it up, and then all of a sudden the technology in the studio failed. Oh we couldn't God. get on the air at 8 o'clock. Oh so they had Kay hey, stay on the air for an extra 10 minutes and she was very gracious that they wouldn't really do that. But she was ripping the heck out of it. I knew those guys would freeze up. I knew those guys would <laughs> choke. I knew they couldn't hit it. So wow.
0: Kay's savage. Kay's yeah, no she, joke. She's
1: awesome. Yeah, she's great. And listen, she's she's great and she's, her success is just such a thrill to watch. But it was a lot of fun. So we have fond memory of that. Our first caller ever was you know, uh, the great Lenny Melnick and our first guest ever with great Steve Gardner. So, uh, a lot, a lot of things to remember and, uh, we're looking forward to celebrating that, not only on this podcast, but on, uh, Tuesday the 18th. Uh, that's, uh, the, the five-year anniversary show on SiriusXM 10 p.m. Eastern.
0: SiriusXM, you can get, what is it, SiriusXM.com slash trial. If you want to try it out, you can just listen that's right. tomorrow. Uh, on Tuesday again the 18th this will go out on on Monday so it will actually be tomorrow for those who listen to it day of uh, they should be listening to you guys every Tuesday night Really appreciate you coming on, Glenn. It's great hanging out with you every year when we get to meet up at uh, different industry events. I want to mention again, Glenn Colton One. That's G L E N N. Get that second N in there. C O L T O N, and then the number one at the end. Follow you on Twitter for some great banter. I'm gonna rip you when the uh, when Michael Pineda gets ripped every time. Don't forget about that. That's those tweets are definitely coming in. But uh really appreciate you coming on.
1: I appreciate it. I'm gonna re-nickname Michael Pineda. The Kevlar (laughs) (laughs) piñata.
0: We'll see if he can be the Kevlar piñata. Thanks so much, Glenn.
1: Thank you. Great stuff, Paul.